Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a problem. Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast. Here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Kay Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. So excited to have you guys here with us today. Lots of sort of exciting news. Not really. No. no? Okay. I was. It was worth a try. This was supposed to be the most exciting podcast of all time uh, for our free agency frenzy episode. And it is not. But that, you know, that's fine. Check out ballblastfootball.com. We'll keep you updated on all the free agency signings there. If you're generous, hit that five-star review. We're so close to 300 reviews. So close. If you haven't listened with us before, I'm your host, Kate. And I'm Michelle. And I'm Jake. Jake Trowbridge. You can follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And you can follow me, Michelle, at BallBlastEm. BallBlastEm. And I'm and at Jake. Jake Trowbridge with a W. Trowbridge with a W. Every week, uh, we need to, to clarify the W situation there because... Uh, Michelle. I didn't forget the W. I forgot the O. She just forgot, forgot all the vowels. <laughs> Twelvewidge. That's fine. I I think we need to contact the guy that did our audio here and maybe have him edit the way he says Trowbridge to edit to be Twelvewidge. Yeah, Michelle's anyway. version should definitely be spliced over top for sure. Oh, I absolutely think that would be a great idea. I will make that my fun pet project eventually. If you all are still listening with us at this point in the show, uh, we're going to talk about some of these free agents who have officially signed. We are recording this Wednesday evening. So we are officially within the free agency period for the NFL. We're officially in the 2021 league year. So welcome into 2021, everybody. If you needed a fresh chance to start your year over, here we are. Lots of like middle tier signings, yeah. nothing exciting. There was some big news. So obviously we're, we're going to talk about the biggest signings here. And then I, I think there was one low key signing that has Twitter in a frenzy. And I think if you're listening to this, you probably know which one we're talking about. A certain backup running back in the Moda city. We're going to talk about him. So let's get into the news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. All right. So I think we should acknowledge the biggest signing of all. Or should we start small? Start small and work our way up. How should we do? How should we go about this? I think we should start with the first piece of news that we got immediately. And I was like, you know what? This free agency is going to be bomb. Like, we're already getting great news. First news comes out. John U. Smith signs with the Patriots. Four-year, $50 million contract. Like, a really nice big contract there for him. big boy contract. And we're like, oh, wow, great. Like, there's no wide receivers there. Cam has previously used the tight end position, and we've seen Bill Belichick really, you know, want to make the tight end happen ever since Gronk left. 
but then the very next day, there's all this John U. Smith hype. And then the very next day, we get an announcement that Hunter Henry also signed with the Patriots for also a good deal. Three years, $37.5 million. So one last year, but the same amount of money each year. What is going on? Can we trust either of them in fantasy next year? Like, is there one guy you prefer to draft or just staying away from both? I don't know, but I'm so upset because these are like the only two big ticket tight end <laughs> names out there. And then they go back to back and they go to the Patriots. And then, of course, there's going to be an offseason of lazy comparisons of them to Gronk and yeah. Hernandez and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I don't like either. <laughs> I have John New in a couple of teams. I'm probably not going to trade him away just until we see what's what, but not super excited for anybody. I'm kind of wishing I only have John New in one league, and I kind of wish I just traded him that first day we got the news because people were so hyped. And I was like, oh, I'll hold out for a little bit just to see what happens. And like, who would have just thought that they're going to also sign Hunter Henry? I, I get it. Like, there's. They probably will get all of the targets in New England, but I don't know. Like, what are those targets going to be from Cam Newton? I People are too harsh on Cam Newton. I'm going to talk about this in my ballsy take of the week, FYI. Um, Spoiler we're gonna, alert. We're going to talk about Cam Newton. It's a teaser. It's a teaser. Yeah, stay tuned, everybody. People have no reason to stay now. <laughs> <laughs> giving, I'm giving away the whole farm. It's like uh, my mom always said it. Nobody's going to buy the ice cream truck if you're giving out popsicles for free. You what? know, it's if you give the, no one's going to buy the cow if you give the milk away for free. No, I think popsicles. I like the popsicle thing more now. <laughs> I will never think of it a different way. That's for sure. <laughs> I've never heard that in a gazillion years. And I don't like, what would I ever give away? Honestly, like, I don't know why I've, why I've ever heard that saying. Your mom I'm, was saying it to you for a reason. She was trying to teach you something. When you're a okay, teenager, stop okay. giving away your popsicles, Kate. <laughs> oh my gosh! Did you I, not get that metaphor when she was trying to? No, I. Talk to I'm you? sure I. I'm just saying, like, what was I really? I didn't have any friends. Like, what? <laughs> what? Why are you giving me this particular advice? I don't know, but maybe it is like as a child, um, I was quite the entrepreneur. In case you guys didn't know, um, I would print out when my grandpa got his his fancy computer. I would be there and. I'd be there for breakfast and I'm like, hey, grandpa, I typed you up this delicious menu and I'd have like three items that he could he could have from his own fridge that I would then charge him for. Like, I thought I was <laughs> like working a diner, essentially. Well, that's um, adorable. Just, I know. But <laughs> and then two, I, I hope like, it was a popsicle on that menu somewhere. Uh, Adorable, but also a child that I would hate. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. But no, what I did do, maybe this is where it comes from. So pop is obviously the Midwestern word for soda. Pop is, uh, my grandpa used to buy like all of this soda because all of my family just, he had 11 kids and they were always over and all that stuff. And I used to take like a 12 pack of it and I'd just throw it in a cooler and I would sell it on the street corner. Okay, I would I would give you up for adoption. But moving <laughs> But I was giving away the pop. Moving on to back to football because that was... Way out of topic there. How doesn't do we even that, get to that? I don't know, but doesn't that give you a little insight into what a little hustler I've been my whole life? Like, I'm <laughs> sure. <laughs> never, never stop the grind. That's all I'm saying. And you could be where I am now. <laughs> okay. Uh, did we answer the question about no. Johnny Smith or Hunter Henry? No. Okay. Wait. No. What I was saying. Uh, we're we're gonna get into Cam Newton later, but 
I think this is a really interesting signing, and I think it's one that I know there's been plenty of questions about Cam Newton, but I think if you're going to hope for Cam Newton to be successful in New England, I think this is the perfect way to do that. Um, I, I think we're we're really overlooking like the weapons that Cam Newton was actually working with last season. Again, we're going to get into it. I really actually kind of like the move. I think uh, it, it gives them some opportunity for blocking, for some versatility. I think it, Hunter Henry, I think, could still actually be a pretty valuable asset in PPR. I'm still not sure that I trust Janu. He's just not a huge volume guy. I, that's just never been his play. But um, Bill Belichick has spoken really highly of Johnny Smith in the past, uh, saying he's like the tight end who can do everything. He can block. He can, he can wash a car. Like he could do anything. He can. He could fly to the moon. Where are you seeing? I feel like did Bill Belichick really say he liked Johnny Smith? Like, that would be so random. Yes. Okay. He spoke. He's glowingly. a big he is a giant Janu fan. Giant Janu fan. So and the question is then, like, do you trust Bill Belichick at this point? Like, has the public's faith in Ooh. Bill waned so much that that's why they hate these moves? Like, or do you buy into the fact that, like, I really like Janu, he says, and then he signs Hunter Henry the day after? <laughs> Does he really like both of them just that much? Or is he just a confused old man at this point? <laughs> I do think they'll use both of them. They'll be on the field at the same time. They'll use a lot of two tight end sets. Which is fine. I just think, I, I do think both of them will have good games. But trying to figure out which week is whose is going to be very, very hard. And it's going to be the guy who gets a touchdown that day. And neither one of these guys are really like huge touchdown guys. I know Janu Smith had eight this year. But I mean, before that, he had eight total in his career. Through all of the seasons. And also, it was and in a pretty low volume. Hunter like, Henry, five touchdowns and four touchdowns the last two years. Both underwhelm me. Like, Hunter Henry's just that guy that, like, gets the targets, but he does, like, not, I don't know. He catches it and he falls. Like, that's it. That's all you're going to get from him. Johnny Smith is the PPR, opposite. PPR, baby. I think I would rather Johnny Smith if I had to pick one. Interesting. I see Hunter Henry getting more volume, so I'll roll with Hunter Henry. Jake, you're the tiebreaker. I guess by default, I lean towards the supposed Swift, Swiss, Swift, the Swiss Swish. army knife of Johnny Smith, just because the Patriots have a tendency to want to use those types of players a little bit more. But honestly, I'm, yeah. I'm frazzled at the whole idea. <laughs> <laughs> they also signed Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, Ooh. who both got like... Decent contracts. Like, Aguilar's was much bigger than Bourne's, but Bourne, I was still like, why are they giving him this contract? Now, they had no wide receivers. Last year, it was... Jacoby Myers. That's uh, it. Jacoby Myers and then Demir Bird was a wide receiver, too. Now, we all are just ignoring that Julian Edelman even exists at this point. I don't know why. He will be back next year, it seems like. He tweeted out like he was excited that they were making all these signings. So, I, I do think he's back. Uh, I don't want... I, like. I don't want Nelson Aguilar on any of my teams with Cam Newton. Like, no, no, thank you. And then Kendrick Bourne, obviously not. So I don't think those signings matter. Actually, all those signings do is tell me those tight ends, Henry and Janu, will probably just be the main targets there. Yeah, I think that's a good thing for them. They're not looking. I thought they were going to go, like, make a move for some alpha wide receiver or 
make a statement that way, but I think the the statement they made with tight end is strong enough for me. We've seen they like to make that happen. So yep. I, I'm actually, I'm not out. I'm not out on them for what it's worth. There's another team who actually we just got some news on before we were heading into this podcast. So the Washington football team, they've made two interesting moves from a fantasy football perspective. Signed quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick to a one-year, $10 million deal. I think that's that's a, a nice enough statement, especially with the departure of Alex Smith. With the, uh, I mean, they signed Taylor, 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 oh my gosh. Taylor Heineke. What a mouthful. Uh, they signed, they re-signed him, but I think, is it safe to presume that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starter for 2021? I think so. I think they can still draft uh, a quarterback, which we all know if they do draft a quarterback, it's just going to be hard to beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick. He steals guys' jobs. It's what he's done his entire career. Is it's that Mr. Steal Your Job. <laughs> anytime a team signs Ryan Fitzpatrick, their goal isn't for him to be the full season starter. It's just he always steals their job some way or another. He like puts a bad luck curse on the starter. Uh, and the so I'm not looking forward to if Mac Jones goes there. Like I, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to win out that job, at least for this year. And it's just going to be annoying to watch when I want to just see Mac Jones on the field. But I do think Ryan Fitzpatrick's the starter. And I think this is fantastic for Terry McLaurin. He finally has a real quarterback throwing him the ball um, that will actually throw it deep, which is nice because I don't want to hate on Alex Smith that way. He's a... He, Sounds like you do. <laughs> he was a very good quarterback back in the day. He was very solid. I think this past season he was fine. He was but very much a game manager, barely threw the ball down the field. I mean, it was so many short throws. That's just not going to work out for Terry McLaurin. So I love, I love this for him. Ryan Fitzpatrick's number one wide receivers have the following targets in the eight seasons uh, where he's started 10 games. TJ Hushmanzada, 137 targets. Stevie Johnson, 148, 141, and 134 in different seasons with Brian Fitzpatrick. Andre Johnson, 146. Brandon Marshall, 173 and 128. Devontae Parker, 128. And now, again, I think some of these are just the 10 games. So, like, Devontae Parker, that that wasn't all that, – that wasn't a full season. I'm very excited about Terry McLaurin with Fitzpatrick. What about you, Jake? Yeah. I, you know, up until you oh, listed those. Oh, that's not enthusiastic enough. <laughs> Excuse well, me. Until you listed those target shares for his number one person, I was actually excited for everybody there, like new edition Curtis Samuel included, because because I want to say Curtis Samuel Teaser. can be used as a deep person. Uh, that sounded weird. As a deep threat on <laughs> offense. But he's been shifted around a lot in Carolina. Like, he was the deep person his first year, and then he kind of got moved in and in uh, with Teddy Bridgewater. So I was thinking, hey, maybe this is good for Curtis because if he can go deep, Ryan Fitzpatrick, of course, can slang it deep. But if he is going to hyper-target somebody, which it kind of seems like he will, then, yeah, I, I mean, I really love this for Terry. No matter what, I love it. I was nervous yeah. that like Mitch Trubisky was going to sign there by default, and then I would have been a little bit bummed. Um, but Fitzpatrick, like he is not washed either. That's the thing I want to put out there. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not washed. He doesn't have the wear and tear that a lot of quarterbacks do. And just last year, he had his uh, one of his highest air yards per attempt 
of his entire career and the highest completion percentage of his entire career last year. So, like, watch him do it. I'm very excited for the whole gang. I'm <laughs> the whole gang. I want you guys to consider these splits. So, Devontae Parker in the 2020 season, games where Fitzpatrick started, averaged 14.5 PPR points per game. Uh, he was on pace to be the wide receiver 18 with Fitzpatrick. In the games where Tua was his quarterback, he was on pace to be the wide receiver 56. 56. Yeah, and those are, go back to those splits right there. I mean, it, it's not even close. It's, it's 8.5 points per game compared to 14.5. He was on a pace for 664 yards with Tua, on a pace for 1,088 yards with Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is only good things for Washington. I think it was a great move. I think, uh, especially if they are planning to draft a quarterback, I think this is just a really smart move for your your locker room. I know he does steal everybody's job. But if you're looking for like a Mac Jones to sit for a season, there is no perfect match that you could pair him up with like Ryan Fitzpatrick to teach him. I think we've seen time and time again, he's been a really good leader. I'm excited to see what is happening there, but I think this kills Logan Thomas. And I think the signing of Curtis Samuel and the signing of Ryan Fitzpatrick absolutely kills Logan Thomas. He only broke out last year because Alex Smith hyper targeted him because he goes short every single play. So you're saying JD McKissick won't be, he gets the the ball out of his hands fast, short targets. Uh, Yeah. JD McKissick also is not going to be as great just because it's just, that's just all they could do with Alex Smith. They couldn't get anything going deep. J.D. McKissick finished as the RB17 in PPR. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so, so stupid disgusting. when you really think about it. Oh, that's so bad. He finished with more points in PPR leagues than DeAndre Swift. Take that for what it's then worth. Then Ronald Jones, who people acted like was the god of 2020. I'm just saying. I'm just J.D. McKissick, RB1, move on. I, I just don't like this for Logan Thomas. He will not be on any of my teams because people are still hyped on him after what he did from okay, last year. So why are you out? Is it the Ryan the Fitzpatrick has never, okay. never used his tight end position. Where Logan Thomas exceeded last year, it wasn't like, oh, he was getting open deep all this time. It was like a lot of short targets, just a lot of hyper-targeted games, and that's when he succeeded. Uh, I, I just I don't like it. Don't okay. Like it. Um, Curtis Samuel, do you think he'll be relevant for fantasy? Jake? I want it. I'm willing it to happen where he becomes a solid deep threat, even though, again, it spits in the face of those stats that you listed earlier. But realistically, I can't see him, you know, fringe wide receiver two is kind of my hope at this point. Yeah, he had 100 targets last year and 851 yards, three touchdowns. Like, I don't see him being a high touchdown guy. One thing that Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't do a lot is throw a lot of touchdowns. He had that one great year with the Bucks, but throughout his career when he starts, like, he's not a touchdown machine. So I'm not expecting 30-plus touchdowns from Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I just don't think Curtis Samuel will be that guy who gets them. Curtis Samuel has always been the type that has a few good games throughout the season. It's just being able to pick out those games is going to be really, really hard, and I, I don't want to deal with it. I think they're going to use him in the same way because he's going with the same coaches who used him in a particular way in Carolina. He's going back to those Carolina coaches who are now with Washington. I, I have zero interest in Curtis Samuel. 
All right, Diana Rusini reports that Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill are going to compete for the starting job. Jameis has gotten a another one-year deal with the Saints to compete. Taysom Hill got a giant extension of four years, $140 million. Just saying. Uh, it's all fake money, but it's... I was going to say, let's explain that a little bit. Yeah, we're, we're going to explain that. Um, it, it's all fake money. The, I think pretty much the entire contract is voidable. So this is a move from the Saints to disperse some of that cap hit. They've been in a tight spot. Uh, obviously, Drew Brees formally retired. So who do you actually think leaves this, this camp with the starting job? Because I think... If we really believe it's Seamus Winston, we need to be trading for him in Dynasty Leagues. And he's not really a sexy name right now. It's not... I don't feel like the hype has hit the point where you can't still buy him. That's probably true. In fact, well, I mean, this was just before the news broke of his new contract, but I just traded Henry Ruggs for Seamus Winston in a Superflex Love. League. Because um, I do really think that it will be Jameis. I don't think that they go back and offer him this contract if they don't have him in their immediate plans. It just wouldn't make it wouldn't make sense. Like Taysom's contract, I get why they did that because they they had to. They were kind of forced into a situation to turn it into funny money, like you're saying, and basically extend him. And he could still very well be a usable asset. Obviously, Sean Payton loves him. He'll probably get some receiving work, some rushing work, whatever. But I think Jameis is the guy. I think everybody should be sending out offers. If you're in a super flex league, would you consider sending a early second round pick for Jameis Winston? Super flex. I think I might. I, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of who I'd get there. Former first overall pick got LASIK eye surgery, folks. We haven't seen him play since he got... We've seen, I think, what, how many passes with the Saints? Two? But why One? Why in the middle of the season then when Drew Brees goes down with an injury, why start Taysom Hill? Why not give, give Jameis Winston that shot to see, hey, should we be bringing him back next season? Or should we not? Like, is he doable? Okay, let me paint it for you this way. Michelle, we're married. FYI. Um, there are some times where we might be in a tiff and then like when you're way too deep into your tiff, you realize like, oh, I was wrong, but you're like, oh my God, I can't go back now. Like I can't, I can't go back. I'm too far deep. Like I'm too far in this. I have to stick it through and hope it, it just like dissipates and this whole narrative I've built up dissipates. That's what Sean Payton is basically doing. He's like, just digging his heels in the ground because he's like, oh, I I overcommitted here and I, I don't see a way out of this. So, like, I just need to, like, say I did it. I, feel I can't like that's admit I'm wrong. Doing. I can't go back to this person and be like, oh, man, I really messed this up. Yeah, you're just waiting for them to forget about it. Uh, yeah. I feel, oh, I feel that in my bones. But uh, my <laughs> other thought, and this is total conspiracy theory stuff, but I think it holds some weight now given the contracts that just happened. I think he was putting Taysom out there, one, because maybe he just, you know, really did believe in his guy that much. But also, two, maybe he wanted to keep Jameis on the bench to keep those productive games off the tape, so to speak. So other teams mm. weren't going to come crawling for him. Don't you Again, think if Winston felt that, though, he wouldn't have came back to the Saints? Because that's really shitty. He's trying to make sure that you don't make money the next year. Like, that's kind of... 
Uh, that would put a bad taste in my mouth if I knew that's what he was doing. Now maybe he's just maybe he hit it well. I don't know. I think I think this he's is still t- technically just a rumor that Jake started. So <laughs> there was no weight to this. <laughs> oh no no! I was thinking that too. Like I was thinking that too. Maybe that's why they're doing it so they don't have to pay him this year or he doesn't go elsewhere. But Taysom Hill was fine when he was actually started. Like he actually surprised me. Completed over 70% of his passes in three of the four games. Had over 230 passing yards in three of those four games. Had two plus touch or two touchdowns in every game. He never had more than that. But two touchdowns in each game he started. He can run. I, I think he did okay. They See, only I think they he, only wa- lost one of those games. He won three games. When I'm like when I watched those games though, like I don't I. I'm just so sick of Sean Payton. It's just, it. I'm actively rooting against Taysom Hill. And he did that to me. Sean Payton did that to me. He ruined Taysom Hill for me. I think when I'm looking at Taysom Hill on film in those games as starter, he looked a lot worse. Like, I would have never fathomed, based off what I watched from him, that that is statistically how he played out. How long did it take him to get his first career passing touchdown? I think it was in it was either his... Sure. No, I, yeah, exactly. But it, I think it was in his third game as starter. Yeah. It it took him three... Like, he was in the third game before he got his first career passing touchdown. We cannot commit. Like, you gotta... I don't know. It, let go. Let, yeah. let it go. I think it should be Winston. I just don't trust Sean Payton. And that's my issue with going to trade for Winston. It's just, I don't know. I just don't trust him. Moving on to uh, just a really sad signing. I think we should just like bullet through these because (laughs) I want to die. Well, I I just feel bad for Bears fans. You know, I just do. So there was two pieces of news that came out um, over the last 24 hours. It was the Bears signed quarterback Andy Dolan. To a one-year, $10 million deal. That same deal that Ryan Fitzpatrick got. So if we're saying Ryan Fitzpatrick got the deal to be a starter, I, I you probably have to think that about Andy Dalton. Now, they better have plans to draft a rookie. And I do think a rookie could beat out Andy Dalton. I am actually team Andy Dalton. I, I don't think enough people give him credit. However, he goes to the Cowboys, and I know they're just a disaster of a franchise, but the difference between Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton was light and day. His wide receivers just died with him. It wasn't the same at all. That offense could not move. So if the Bears are going into the season thinking that Andy Dalton, I mean, have fun winning four games. Like That's it. And I get that. And if Allen Robinson stays, I'm so sorry for But him. let's also acknowledge that news came out that the Bears made a very big push for yeah, Russell is- Wilson, which it, I think it was three first round picks, a third round pick, and two starting unnamed people. starters. Unnamed starters. So it could have been straight trash. But- it could have been, but hey, a starter is a starter. Um, I, but I mean, that's a really strong statement in my book that they wanted Russell Wilson, and yeah. they were they were looking to make the move. So I'm gonna give the Bears like mini snaps for that and give them. Many claps, and I, I'm going to be proud of them for actually trying to do something. If to I was the franchise. Bears, I'd rather give Mitch Trubisky one more year, ten million dollars, or even go up to fourteen, than try to do it with Andy Dolan. 
is that just because of the consistency that Trubisky would bring? Because I truly believe that Dalton's a better quarterback. So I wonder if it's just like, I do. I I don't think he's world beating, but I think he's a better quarterback probably than Trubisky at this point. What more could he have had with those receiving options in Dallas? I know his line wasn't great. I just, now he's going to go to a team that has maybe Allen Robinson, but there's been reports, you know, that he could have just been tagged to be traded. And then Anthony Miller, there's reports that he might be traded. So it's like, okay, you got Darnell Mooney. I Did they already cut Jimmy Graham? They have to, right? I don't know if it's official, but it's definitely going to be a thing. They did not officially cut Jimmy Graham yet, which I think is kind of rude because I think they plan to. And why wouldn't you do that like ahead of free agency? I just think it's a little, it's a little poo. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he would have been signed. Um, the receiving options are gross there. I, I mean, we yeah. do have to say that for whichever quarterback truly ends up starting, it's going to be a gross situation until we figure out. I think the end of free agency is going to be big for some of these sort of uh, leftover wide receivers to get signed. And then we'll see what's what then. I think the best range of possibilities here for if the Bears do start Andy Dolan is that their defense carries them to a 9-7 and seven record and they're another uh, one and done in the playoffs. And it's just like sooner or later, you have, you can't be in that middle ground the whole time when you don't have a quarterback, like you need, if you have that quarterback and you keep trying to push and you keep like losing, uh, okay, you're going to keep going for it. But when you don't have a good quarterback and you keep ending in the middle there where you don't have the option to go get another good quarterback, it's like, ugh, just suck for one. Maybe that's what they're trying to do with Andy Dolan. Suck really hard for one year <laughs> so they can get that quarterback. We'll see what they do in the draft. Maybe they can move up and grab one of the top five guys. Um, moving on, I am, before I say get to the next part, I am very happy that Russell Wilson didn't get traded there, though. I don't want him going there. Please, no. Uh, I need Russell Wilson to be great, and I need DK Metcalf not to die. Please. That is astute analysis. Thank you for that. Uh, moving on, another quarterback who wants to be traded. The Athletics' Joseph Pearson reports that the Panthers are locked on acquiring Deshaun Watson. Now that, however, is a nice little landing spot, I think, for Watson. Do you agree, Jake? I would love it. I've been clamoring. I wanted... Well, I mean, I really wanted Deshaun to go to Washington. But now that Fitz is there, it's fine. Uh, but I wanted even Dak during his maybe he'd not be in Dallas situation. I thought he would be great over in Carolina. Um, but an upgrade is necessary there. They have an abundance of weapons. Uh, the scheme would be amazing for Deshaun. So hopefully that gets done. Yeah. And I've been on record saying I think DJ Moore is being a little overvalued this offseason. But if Deshaun Watson's there, I mean, every wide receiver that plays with Deshaun Watson is fantastic. So, Is I, it worth noting the news that was released about Deshaun Watson? No, no. We'll wait on that. Okay. Uh, really quick, these two signings, we don't have to say much about them. The Raiders sign wide receiver John Brown uh, to a one-year deal. I like it. That could be low-key, sneaky yeah. Good for fantasy. Nelson Aguilar was low-key good for fantasy last year. You were able to plug him in when you needed him due to injuries or buys, and half the time he had a pretty decent game. So I think John Brown's probably a better wide receiver even at his Derek age. Carr has been pretty decent down the field. Yeah, I, I think that's a great move. 
what do we think about him now that there's zero O-line there? That's my yeah. concern. It's like, I do love the signing because you're right. Aguilar was like wide receiver 34 last year. And John Brown could easily exceed that. But if there's no O-line, now I get nervous yeah. for all those deep balls. Yeah, and they actually, while we're on the podcast, they just also traded their guard, um, Cabe Jackson. So now they're down three linemen from their starting group last year, which was been pretty solid. So they traded Trent Brown to New England. They traded their center, Rodney Hudson. And a center's not an easy thing to replace, a center or a tackle. And then they just traded their guard to, he went to Seattle, actually. So maybe Russell is a little <laughs> bit happy. Uh, yeah, I mean, their offensive line is in complete shambles. They don't have anyone really to in death pieces that they plan to just take over and they're going to be fine. They're going to have to hit that so hard in the draft. I am worried about Derek Carr. That does worry me a little bit about John Brown. I love it for Darren Waller because just more quick targets. Love it, love it, love it. And then who I'm really nervous about, Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Ooh. Will this Yucky. finally force Josh Jacobs was Derek bad Carr behind to... a good line. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is he going to do behind a bad line? That aside, is there a possibility that maybe – maybe Derek Carr is forced to utilize him more as a receiver. Eh? Probably Until just James in White signs there. there or something, and yeah. then it's going to be I, hell yeah, on earth. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> All right, Manny Sanders, one-year deal with the Bills. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reports that there is mutual interest between the Giants and Kenny Galladay. Well, you gave that Emmanuel Sanders not even a sentence. <laughs> Should we say something? I mean, I... I have no interest in drafting Emmanuel Sanders. I do think this could hurt Gabe, Gabriel Davis's breakout breakout if we're expecting his target share to go up. I just don't know if that's going to happen if Emmanuel Sanders great, is stealing snaps. It's a great veteran signing. Yeah. I don't think he's going to steal a huge volume. I mean, touches are touches, targets are targets. So obviously anytime that he's on the field, but I think this is probably a it's a depth move. I think it's a really smart move to make. Yeah. Um, I, I think Manny Sanders in, uh, even in the end of last season still looked pretty good. So I, I think this was a great play, but it's a really young team. And I think the move to get Manny Sanders in there as a veteran is just really solid all around. Is it anything to do with fantasy for me? No, yeah, not, probably. not really. Uh, so Kenny Galladay, Giants, the Bengals made an offer, a one-year prove-it deal to Kenny Galladay, still sitting there on the table. But a lot of the questions were sort of like, what does he need to prove? Um, and some of the responses I saw is, does he have to prove health? Is that hmm. is that a potential thing? Because we never really got any word regarding his hip injury. Just sort of like dissipated. That was a very weird season. It was like, oh, he's hurt. His hip. But every week it was like, oh, he might be coming back. Oh, he might be coming back. And I was just like, oh, he's never coming back, is he? But we never got, I, like, I, Betts doing our injury stuff for the, the Ball Blast football brand. He was just sort of waiting. He's like, I don't have a diagnosis, so I can't give you any analysis. Like, it was super frustrating, but... That's super interesting. Would you rather see him go to the Giants or to the Bengals? I, I My only answer for the Giants is because I don't want T. Higgins to be, his fantasy value to be hurt. So I'm going to say the Giants, but 
obviously Joe Burrow's a better quarterback in my eyes than Daniel Jones. I don't know. Like him and with the Giants, I don't love it. I don't love that, but I do think that the Bengals, if they could make a stronger push for Kenny Galladay, I think that would be such a smart signing for them. I guess Darius Slayton was good for a hot second a couple of years ago. Sometimes. If Darius Slayton can be good, then Kenny Galladay can be great. <laughs> I think, Ken, well, Kenny Galladay, he would be the, like, the true guy. Yeah. He would be mm-hmm. the clear one. Since he's definitely more confusing, but I think... From an NFL franchise standpoint, if you're maybe like a Joe Burrow manager, I think that helps him a lot. I would love if you've got T. Higgins, Kenny Galladay, Tyler Boyd, that raises your floor for me. And I think we all agree that Joe Burrow's floor is probably pretty safe to begin with. Yeah. I I think that would be a great sign. It would make for a very good offense, I think, with the Bengals. What do you think, Jake? Where do you want to see him at? It would be an embarrassment of riches to an extent in Cincinnati, which feels pretty weird to say. Uh, But if he did go there, I'd be excited for them. Like you said, I'd be very excited for Joe Burrow. I'd be very excited for Daniel Jones getting that true number one option, that sort of stud, even though I'm on record as being maybe a little bit more lukewarm on Kenny Galladay than, than the rest. Um, It's hard to argue with there being a legit talent there. Finally, and just the lack of options would be nice for his own fantasy value. I mean, it's him and then Sterling Shepard, basically. And like you said, Darius Slayton, I guess, is still there, too. Um, but he seems to be that inconsistent wide receiver three role there. So, I don't know. And Saquon's coming back. Fingers crossed. The gang yeah. should be back together there in New York. So, I wouldn't hate that. Yeah, I, I do think he probably – he's going to visit with the Giants – that seems like a lot to do if you don't really. There's mutual interest. I do think he ends up signing there. And then we can get into further discussion. I, I would have to go look into more Daniel Jones stats to really see like how I think this would play out. Uh, moving on. Marlon Maxo, two, two running backs sign behind two second-year players. And, you know, everyone's up in the frenzy on Twitter. The Colts re-signed running back Marlon Mack to a one-year $2 million contract. I, I mean, I'm not worried about it. Torres Achilles, it's not an easy thing to come back from. Running backs just don't come back from that. I do think that Marlon Mack is just there in case Jonathan Taylor were to go down. It's kind of just an insurance piece. Yeah, yeah. they. I believe they still have Jordan Wilkins on the roster. I want to he say. He might be gone. Really? Well, I'm saying with this Marlon Mack signing. Oh, he might be. But uh, I, I think there are plenty of bodies there. But, I mean, one year, $2 million. Okay. Not not a huge deal. Um, I, I think it's it's totally fine. I'm not concerned about that. But the lack of concern comes from the fact that I don't think Marlon Mack is a super great uh, or maybe as versatile a running back as the next guy we're going to talk about. Yeah, so the last piece of news here, and I'll get us into the talk of the town. The Lions sign running back Jamal Williams formerly of the Packers, to a two-year, $7.5 million contract. Not that much money, not at all. But uh, let's dig into this one for real, for real. Uh, Do we want to get into the talk of the town? You know, you're kind of the talk of the town. Talk of the town. You're the talk of the town. Talk of the town. So the reason why this topic is the talk of the town it's because I feel like there's people split in the middle. But 
I want everyone to understand it's not because anyone thinks that Jamal Williams is going to be fantasy relevant in 2021 or that he's going to take over the backfield in Detroit. We, we, I think the three of us just acknowledge, it's just acknowledge that Jamal Williams could take some touches, could take some snaps away from DeAndre Swift. That is more than just a normal backup running back. I know people say, well, there's a backup running back that gets snaps and touches in every backfield. Yes, we think Jamal Williams will be just a little bit more than that. You know, that the 100 carry range. And it just caps DeAndre Swift's upside. It does not mean he's going to be a bad fantasy running back. I just want to make that clear. But let's just talk through this. How much will, A, do you think Jamal Williams hurts DeAndre Swift at all? But how much, I think, is the real question. Yeah, and I feel like hurts is, it's so weird to say it that way because I don't think Jamal Williams suddenly makes him, oh, he drops down a tier or he even maybe doesn't even really drop down from where you would typically draft him. I just think that the caution should be there with a really good pass-catching running back back there. That was my biggest concern for DeAndre Swift aside from just not trusting Detroit Lions running backs because I have a, a history with them. But, you know, Jamal Williams personally. is a really, personally, Amir Abdullah. Uh, <laughs> but Jamal Williams is a really good pass catcher. I mean, like dynamite hands this guy has. Yeah. And so if he's catching in the backfield, I'm concerned about that for Swift because he's already on what could be a bad offense. I mean, I know it's different than last year, but like last year, that was such a bad offense. And they don't have a good defense to counterbalance that for a running back, you know, to make them be like non-game script dependent. So all of a sudden, if Jamal Williams is getting a good chunk of those receptions, then, you know, DeAndre Swift maybe moves from your top five down to your top eight or whatever. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing. Right now, where I had DeAndre Swift valued in my mind, it was always like, well, he's not going to get all of the touches or like he's going to be splitting the backfield with somebody, but I think he's going to be uh, very efficient. And uh, so he is, when you look at his fantasy points per touch, it was one of the best among all rookies in the last five seasons. So when you're looking at rookies in the last five seasons, fantasy points per touch, I did like minimum 100 carries. So you knocked out those people who just got receptions like that kind of that just skews the data. So if you're looking at just fantasy points per touch for rookie running backs over the last five seasons, it goes Kamara and then Swift. He had the second most fantasy points per touch. And then when you're looking at third, it's CMC. And then it's Dobbins, which is kind of interesting. I think his is with the touchdowns. And then you have Barkley. At five. So that's a good group to be a part of. This is why I like Swift. I don't think he needs the entire backfield of snaps and touches to be a good fantasy back. No, where I think Jamal Williams hurts him is I have probably DeAndre Swift. I haven't done my rankings yet for 2021. I'll have him around 10 to 13, like running back 10 to 13, very random, but I'll have him around there. If they went this offseason without signing someone that I think is a relevant running back, he would have shot up to been like, oh, he can be like a top five running back. But with this, I'm not I'm not moving him up. And I'm not necessarily moving him down either. But if I'm deciding between an Antonio Gibson or DeAndre Swift, I might go with Antonio Gibson. Yeah, yeah I, I totally the, agree with that. Yeah. I think the <laughs> issue for me is that we already know that like DeAndre Swift is a great 
receiver. We like we know what he's capable of. We know that the offense really likes him. He is capable of a three down roll. They say like yes, of course he is. Duh. Uh, I mean he's uh, one of the best pass catching backs in his class. And I think the issue for me is that it still bothers me that they gave Adrian Peterson 156 carries. Like. That's too many. How many came when Swift was out, though? He did get way too many even when Swift was in. But I do think a decent amount of those came when Swift was out. But even, I don't think any running back got very many attempts is the thing. If you're looking at all of these together, what is that? It's 325 carries approximately altogether. Like, that's not a lot for a backfield whatsoever. So if you're splitting those up, like you said, they're going... Like, we don't expect their defense to be good. They're probably going to be trailing. So it comes down to which running back is used more on the passing down snaps when they're trying to come back. And I, you would like to say it's Swift because he's a good pass catcher. But you know who else is a good pass catcher? Aaron Jones. And Jamal Williams still stole a lot of snaps from him. And I'm not ready to say Swift is as good as Jones is yet to be like, oh, he can overcome that. I'm... I'm a little worried. And how many scoring opportunities will he have? Will Jared Goff pass to the running back? Because he hasn't in the last couple of years. <sighs> Lots of questions. It, there's yeah. a lot of questions. But I think, so what this does for me, I, I tweeted this out and I feel like people were really crabby about it. I, out of all the places that Jamal Williams could have signed, I think this is possibly like, the worst possible location or the worst possible backup running back that could have signed with DeAndre Swift that would be the most threatening to me. Not to say that he, he doesn't lose a ton of value. He doesn't lose much value at all. It's just that I thought the ceiling was up here and now it's it's much lower. And I might decide to draft somebody else because I feel their ceiling could be higher. Um, DeAndre Swift, like the issue again, let's look at just the other players in the game. So you have carry on Johnson who is still alive folks. I like, is he's, he? he's still sort of alive. Uh, but so looking at PFF, like, he was the best and most highly rated pass blocker in PFF among running backs. Carry on was carry on Johnson. Among running backs with at least 25 targets, which when did he get 25 targets? <laughs> when? Um, among running backs with at least 25 targets, he was the most highly graded running back pass blocker. And then guess who was the eighth best? Jamal Williams. Yes. You just have three running backs. Like if you would, you know, say we've been talking a lot about AJ Dillon and how he doesn't have that pass catching ability. If you paired a guy like A.J. Dillon, who is just a, he's a run guy, I would not adjust my thing at all. I wouldn't, I wouldn't adjust my rankings, anything like that, but it, it changes the ceiling for me. I think it just all comes down to how they use Swift and Williams in the passing game. You're looking at the new head coach, Dan Campbell. He was with the Saints over the last five seasons as the quarterback coach. He knows a thing or two about how to use a running back as a pass catcher, but also a lot like what we're talking about here. The Saints always kind of use two running backs. We are always annoyed when Kamara comes out of the game, but Kamara is still great for fantasy. Then you're looking at their new OC, Anthony Lynn. Same exact thing. Eckler, 
stole a lot of snaps from Melvin Gordon back in the day. Last year, when we wanted Eckler to get all the snaps, he brought in Kalen Village. Like, people that shouldn't be in the game, he's he's also a two-type of running back guy. The pass catcher in those offenses are the ones who thrive. And the ones who get the more carries doesn't really matter. Uh, so I don't, I'm not worried about the carries here. It comes down to pass catching. I do think Jamal Williams takes some of that away. I still think Swift is going to be the guy. So I'm still okay drafting him. I'm just not putting him as a top eight running back. I just think yeah. this limits his ceiling. That's all. Instead of a yeah. 75% workload, he gets a 65% workload. It's not like the, the earth is not falling down around DeAndre Swift right now. And I think that's like the, the interpretation people get out of this. Um, for anybody who is a little more confident in Jamal Williams. But we're just saying, like, Jamal Williams is not Lamar Miller. Jamal Williams is not a Jag signing like some of these guys would have been, which wouldn't have hurt him that much. And the other thing is, I know it's not a big contract. I understand that it's not like an $8 million running back contract with Jamal Williams coming in. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be. J.D. McKissick was getting paid $2 million last year. He He had 110 targets. Like, that doesn't really matter all the time. Yep. It doesn't. And especially, can I just, I I need to throw this in there because we're talking about Jamal Williams. He is the most likable fella. Like he is such a cool dude. If you haven't watched any interviews for anybody listening to this or watching this, if you haven't watched Jamal Williams speak with the press, it is the most fantastical thing. He is just, he just seems like he's just so happy to be playing football and he seems sometimes like he's on another planet. Like what, what was the yeah, one quote? He was like talking about Bob. like SpongeBob and I feel like a mermaid, like weird stuff, but he's so likable. And I think that was part, I, I think he's a really great running back, but I also think the organization really liked Jamal Williams. I, I don't will, think, I so think that's going to be the same thing. One thing I want to point out is DeAndre Swift has injury issues going back to college. So if DeAndre Swift misses time, I do think Jamal Williams would actually be a a really nice play. Um, But he was also with the Packers. I just think Jamal Williams should have, maybe just give him a chance to start somewhere. I would have liked to see that a little bit. Not, I don't really care that much, but I would have liked to see what he could do in a full-time role. No, we got to move on. We got to get to our last segment. And I love this one. It's let's get ballsy. And it's Kate's turn to give us her ballsy take of the week. Are you guys ready to get ballsy? Let's get ballsy. That's pretty ballsy. Pretty ballsy. Covered her asses out there, man. Some ballsy shots. Get ballsy. I'm gonna slow that down and play it back. We're gonna have to like do that at least three times. I'm just gonna make that its own sound bite. I'm gonna figure out how to do sound bites just so I can just work in. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Okay. I feel like you're just nervous to give it. Go. All right, my ballsy take of the week. Cam Newton and Michelle. Don't look at me like that. Because I actually, I don't think it's ballsy enough. I think she needs to put a number on it. Okay. Say it, say it, and then we'll talk about it. I say, I contend that Cam Newton is a must buy in Dynasty formats for people in win now mode. 
Like a must, must, So must that means buy. that you think in redraft mode, for people who just play redraft, that he's going to be a good quarterback yes. in 2021 for fantasy. If- so I think the hesitancy that I have to put on it is because there are still a ton of questions. We don't know who the starter is. I'm going to talk more about that. But my lack of wanting to put some, like somebody can be a must buy because their ceiling is high, but you don't, I think he's just the perfect player. Let's say he starts the full 16 games. Where does he end? Uh, top eight. Woo! That's Ooh. Okay. All right. Now we're on board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll take that take now. Uh, you, but, weren't, you weren't going to get out of it without giving. I, I needed a number. I okay, needed that's, to see how high you were. That's the number. Uh, top eight quarterback. If he starts all 16 games or has a cam season, which is usually around 14. All right. Um, I want to say a couple of things just about like the situation. He did get a little bit more money this time. He got a lot of incentives placed on his deal. So it's, it's still not, he's not getting handed money out of the gate. Uh, they've said there's plenty of room for competition. Obviously they could be in on drafting a quarterback. I think all of those things are within the realm of possibility, but considering Cam Newton and his relationship with the team in 2020, if you were paying attention to that, the guys loved him. The whole team loved him. They loved his leadership. I don't think you bring a guy back to fight for that position unless you think he has a pretty good chance at the level of respect that I think I saw from the Patriots towards Cam Newton. They really liked him. In quarter or in weeks one through three, in a brand new offense, he was the quarterback seven. And a lot of this is just based on his rushing ability because guess what? He had no receivers to throw to. Literally no receivers to throw to. Jacoby Myers is one of three wide receivers since 2010 to have more than 80 targets, more than 700 receiving yards, and zero touchdowns. That's bad. It's bad. But I don't think that Cam Newton had enough help there. So I think we need to take a few things in consideration and giving Cam the benefit of the doubt. After week three, he got COVID. He was out and he spent some time away from the team. And he literally just came out and said, that put me behind on that playbook. He's like, this is a Josh McDaniels offense is complicated. And that put me behind the ball. And I like, I wasn't. I, I've lost it, and that's on me, he said. Could but he not study when he was sick? I think you can study. I mean, we both had COVID, and your brain was Our not... Our brain was mush. Right. Your brain right. was not fantastic. Yeah. Uh, every time I had to do a podcast with COVID, it was just blah, kind of like my usual, usual podcast. I just wanted podcast. to make fun of him. I just wanted to make fun But, no, I'm just saying, like, he can absolutely study, but I do think when you're in a brand-new offensive system where you haven't had a normal off-season program... It's got to be tough to be away from the the team, be away from the receivers that you're really trying to gain that rapport. And I feel like week three, he had two wins under his belt. Like he was probably feeling really good at that point. And then to get COVID, to be out, to be away from the team, that sucks. I think that Cam's shown a lot of growth just mentally as a quarterback. He seems to be have matured over time. But let's just talk about the rushing. So... Love, love, love the fact that we have some new pass catchers for him. Not that like Kendrick Bourne is going to change the world, but I do think Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry do boost his floor 
quite a bit. We've seen him work very well with the tight end position in the past. Obviously, Greg Olson was a perennial tight end one. And I think you're playing to his strength right there by signing two really good tight ends. He can play the middle of the field, and he they're these immediate threats. They're big bodies, just like Cam. They can block. They can do all of this awesome stuff. But just the rushing ability alone, we saw him so willing to rush last season. Like, have whatever questions you want about his shoulder, but he showed no fear in getting back into, like, vintage cam mode where he could just bulldoze his way through any pile he didn't care he was just he wanted to play football ranked six overall among quarterbacks that played last season in fantasy points per drop back thanks in large part to his rushing ability he had 42 rushing attempts inside the red zone first among quarterbacks of course the second was lamar jackson who only had 32 that is 10 fewer rushing attempts that's pretty crazy. Cam Newton had three fewer rushing attempts in the red zone than Alvin Kamara. Like (laughs) he's a running back. He's literally a running back in his own right. He had 22 rush attempts inside the five, which is just perfect for that rushing upside. Love the (laughs) rushing upside. You love the rushing touchdown because that is usually a cheat code unless you're playing in a league that has a, a six point passing touchdown. It is in most leagues, a cheat code to have your quarterback rush in a touchdown. Um, I'll do, uh, so I'll say with all of these opportunities, uh, we, we, I think we're, we hit on the rushing stats that he gets opportunities mm-hmm. near the goal line. I will say he got in 12 times, 12 times this year. That's likely not to happen again. It just, even with the opportunities, we've seen him score touchdowns at a high rate before. He had 14 rushing touchdowns his rookie season. That went down to eight. That went down to six. That went down to five. He had another 10 rushing touchdown season. That went down to five. That went down to six. That went down to four. 12 again. Like, you have to expect that to come down to oh, I am, eight, so seven, I six. absolutely do project that to come down. But what I think and what I project for the 2021 season, if he gets the opportunity to be a starter, I think this is where you see Cam as a better version of him. Like, he's never been the perfect passer. But I think you're going to see a more refined passer who's more familiar with the offense, more comfortable with the offense, who has better receiving weapons, who has more people he can trust. I think you're going to start to see that rushing ability marry with some improved ability as a passer. And I think those two are going to make a quarterback one. He's only thrown for more than 3,500 yards three times in his career. Doesn't matter. He hasn't thrown for... 4,000 yards since this rookie season. Doesn't matter. I guess. I'm I'm totally out on this. I'm by with getting Cam Newton as a streaming quarterback. I think that he'll be a good play there. Plug him in when you need him to. But the, if you can pick him up. The essence. But top eight. No. Not even close. The essence. Two balls. Two balls. The essence of the take is that he is a must buy for a team in win now mode. If you can get a top 10 or even top 15 quarterback in a super flex league and you're giving up something so minimal. I'm looking at uh, some of the trade value charts on Fantasy Pros right now. When you're looking at how they're quantitating, quantifying the value for Cam Newton right now, he is worth less value than Jordan Love, which I, sure, 
He's worth less than Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> Drew Locke. Drew Locke. I would definitely. Jimmy Garoppolo. I want him over all of these guys. So. And he's way under Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater. I would, and Derek Carr. I would take Cam Newton. I would take a shot on Cam Newton over the, you know, what I just said. Drew Locke, Kyle Trask. I'm just saying, Maybe, like, I guess you I probably, uh, Cam Newton probably gives you more upside than Baker Mayfield. and uh, It's just, it's for a team in a win-now mode. I don't think you have anything to lose by trading for Cam Newton. There is only upside by acquiring Cam Newton. I think if you're in a position to win, you're just literally being silly if you're not getting him. Right. Yeah, I don't think this is nearly as far off as Michelle does, who said it's like, no way, no way close to top eight. He was already quarterback 16, which I know is not great, but like he was that during this down year with no weapons, with the COVID, and yes, those are all excuses, and that's fine. But they did bring in those two tight ends, and what that says to me is that like, look, we know the strengths are of this quarterback, if it is truly Cam that they stay with. So two tight ends, let's bring that in. Let's run more. And let's use more of those run pass options with Cam. Let's let him do his thing. I think you're right. I think the efficiency goes up. I don't think the attempts go up that drastically. But, yeah, the rushing touchdowns might go down. The passing touchdowns have to go up. They, they ha- have they to. Literally it's like, what, eight? To. Eight touchdowns last year or something? For, for I the threw air? more touchdowns last season. <laughs> That's ridiculous. So that at least has to go balance that out a little bit. I don't know if I can get on board with top eight, but I could definitely see a world where he's a quarterback one. And yeah, maybe it's not going to be every single week, but I think that that rushing floor is pretty nice to have. Love it. Everybody, that is our show for today. Let me know what you think. One ball, two balls. Uh, we'll we'll ask you guys on Twitter because I'm actually really curious. I feel like this is Michelle's reaction to this take was much more polarizing than I would have expected. And I've always been historically the person that does not like Cam Newton. So this is an interesting conversation. I'm going to put a poll up on Twitter. Everybody, thanks for joining us. Everybody, check out the site. Please leave us those five-star reviews. We are, like I said, I think two two reviews away from 300. I want to crack the number. I like even numbers. You can't leave me hanging. 298 is an even number. But you can't leave me hanging, guys. (laughs) You can follow me, Kate, on Twitter at FFBallBlast. You can follow me, Michelle, at BallBlastEm, BallBlastEm. You can follow me, Jake, at Jake Trowbridge with a W. With a W. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye. That's it for this week's Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave those five-star reviews, and check out BallBlastFootball.com for more league-winning advice.